Welcome to the legacy teachings of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Church since 1979. Though these teachings are decades old, we invite you to get out your Bible, take notes, and get ready to receive the uncompromised teaching of God's Word. For more information about Christian Assembly Church, please visit us online at cafamily.net. Getting to know Him and getting to know His will for your life is the most important thing in life. Because to live your life and not fulfill His will and purpose is really to live a life that's not going to produce eternal results and eternal benefits and eternal rewards. I believe with all my heart that each of us needs to do everything we possibly can to discover what God would have us to do with our lives and then pursue it and fulfill it. Don't you? And listen to me when I say this. It's not a difficult thing. It's not so far out there that it's impossible for you to discover and find. If it's that important to God, then it should be a responsibility on His part to let us know what He wants us to do or how He wants us to serve Him. Wouldn't you say? Absolutely. It should be His responsibility to get across to us what He wants us to do and how He wants us to serve Him. And I believe He has taken the steps to do that And it's up to us to really take our steps and make our move and enter into the open door that God really has before us. So I want to talk to you tonight about knowing God and doing His will. Is that okay with you? I want you to turn with me to John's Gospel, if you would, please. And chapter 21, John's Gospel, chapter 21. John 21, and we're going to begin at verse... 15. But first, let's pray. Father, it's a privilege to study your word together. We do so in the name of Jesus. Give us ears to hear, a heart to receive, and a mind to be open. And Father, we'll receive your word. We'll walk in the light of it and be doers of it and not hearers only. And I thank you for utterance in the Holy Ghost to proclaim with boldness and accuracy the knowledge of the truth that will make us free. In Jesus' name, amen. In verse 15, when they had dined, Jesus saith to Simon Peter, Simon, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? And he saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, Feed my lambs. He saith to him again the second time, Simon, son of Jonas, love me, lovest thou me? He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, Feed my sheep. He saith unto him the third time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? Peter was grieved because he said unto him the third time, Lovest thou me? And he said unto him, Lord, thou knowest all things. Thou knowest that I love thee. Jesus saith unto him, Feed my sheep. Verily, verily, I say unto thee, When thou wast young, thou girdest thyself, and walked, you walked whither you would. But when thou shalt be old, thou shalt stretch forth thine hands, and another shall gird thee, and carry thee whither thou wouldest not. This spake he, signifying by what death he should glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he saith unto him, Those two beautiful words, Follow me. Here we have a revelation of God's will for Peter's life. And it's laid out right there before him. It's very simple. He's saying, Peter, I want you to share with others about me. I want you to feed my sheep. I want you to nourish them. I want you to teach them. I want you to teach them all what you've learned about me and all that I've taught you and pass it on to other people and other generations so that they too can know me and the Father in a more intimate way. Well, Peter, look at the next verse. Peter, you know how Peter was. Peter had his problems. He had his moments with God. Peter was more concerned about something else. Then Peter, turning about, seeth the disciple whom Jesus loved following, which also leaned on his breast at supper and said, Lord, which is he that betrayeth thee? Peter, seeing him, saith to Jesus, Lord, and what shall this man do? What shall this man do? Jesus saith unto him, If I will that he tarry till I come, what is that to thee? Follow thou me. Peter was concerned about what John was going to do. Wasn't he? And what did Jesus say to him? He said... John's life is no concern of yours. What John does, what I want John to do, and if I want John to remain alive until the day I come back again, what's that to you? 
Don't be mindful of all those other things. Be mindful of what I've asked you to do. You know, it's easy to get distracted and it's easy to get focused on the wrong things and take what God has asked us to do lightly and maybe not consider it to be exactly what we want for our lives. That's what Peter was doing here. He was more interested in what John was going to do and not what God wanted him to do. So Jesus set him straight and said, look, just follow me. Don't be concerned about John and what he's going to do. What matters in your life is that you follow what I have told you to do. Feed my sheep, feed my lambs. Well, look at the next verse. Then went this saying abroad among the brethren that the disciples should not die. Yet Jesus did not say unto him, he shall not die. But if I will that he tarry till I come, what is that to thee? Jesus was misrepresented. Jesus was, I'm sure, misquoted. They began a rumor based on what Jesus told Peter about John because they misrepresented it and misunderstood it. And Jesus was not saying that that would be the case in John's life. He said, what does it matter to you? It should be no concern of yours as to what John does, what I want John to do. It's up to John to find and fulfill the will that I have for him. It's up to John to follow me the way I want him to follow me. But Peter, I laid it out for you. Step number one, step number two, step number three. Follow me, follow me, follow me. This is what I want you to do. You see, beloved, what God wants you to do is important. What God wants me to do is important. It's important to God. It's important to His kingdom on earth. And it's important to us, to the individual. No matter what it is that God wants me to do, it is important that I find it and that I fulfill it and that I walk in the light of it. And if I'll do that, then of course I'm guaranteed the victor's crown of life. Well, what is the heart of knowing God and doing His will? Look at John chapter 17. It's close by in verse 3. I really believe this verse of Scripture reveals to us the very heart of knowing and doing the will of God. When it comes to knowing and doing the will of God, this is the heart of the matter. And I realize people war with this all the time, every single day, especially young people that are maybe graduating high school and looking to go on to college or, or to, to uh, let's say, enhance their, their learning and, and develop their skills and all that. They need direction. They need to be focused. They need to have a goal to achieve or, or something to obtain. And it's hard for them maybe to stay focused or really understand what God wants for them to do in life. But listen, if you'll follow this, this will be to you a revelation that will help you understand how to discover what God wants you to do. In the book of John chapter 17 and verse 3, this is the heart of knowing and doing the will of God. And this is life eternal that they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. Knowing and doing the will of God begins with knowing God personally and intimately. That's where it begins. I am first to be involved in seeking and pursuing, knowing God intimately and acquainting myself with Him personally. In other words, I experience God in my individual life. See, too often people are jumping beyond that experience, trying to discover the will of God, not recognizing that the will of God is born out of our intimacy with God. This is what eternal life is all about. This is what life in God is all about. My pursuit is to know Him to understand Him, to experience Him in my life. And when I pursue that, born out of that pursuit comes a revelation of the will of God for my life. If I pass that by and just try to shoot for the will of God, I can miss the mark. I can become confused and improperly focused. You see, beloved, it's only when we learn to develop a personal, intimate relationship with Him that we then position ourselves to discover what it is He would have us to do. Why? Because through that relationship, 
He enables us to be placed into or invites us to work in a work that He's already doing in the earth. God's at work in the earth at all times. God was at work in Christian Assembly Church long before I ever came along. God was meeting with them every time they met, ever since the church opened its doors. God was getting people saved at Christian Assembly, filled with the Holy Ghost, with the evidence of speaking with other tongues. He was getting people healed at Christian Assembly. He was speaking to hearts at Christian Assembly. He was doing all this at Christian Assembly long before I ever came on the scene. Well, one day I got saved and one day I began to pursue an intimate relationship with the Father and I set my heart to know God, to know Him personally and to know Him intimately and to lay down my life before Him and consecrate myself unto Him. And you know what? In the process, He invited me, He invited me to enter into a work that He was already doing in the earth. spoke to me and said, you'll be the next pastor of that church. This church didn't start when I became its pastor. Can you say amen? He invited me. Why did he invite me? Because I was pursuing a relationship with him. Because I was seeking to know him better. And so then out of that relationship with him, out of that developing intimacy with him, he spoke and says, now you'll be the next pastor of that church. He invited me to join forces with him where he was already at work. And that's exactly what it's all about. And you see, as a result, I knew the steps I was to take. I knew exactly what I had to do. The will of God is revealed out of intimacy of fellowship. It's taking that quality time before God in his presence and saying, Father, I'm available to you. Father, I open up my life to you. I want to know you the best way I possibly can. I want to experience your presence in my life. I want to experience your love in my life, your peace and your joy. I want to experience your, your protective hand in my life. I want to be surrounded, dear Father God, by the anointing. I want you in my life. And I am willing to follow you in whatever way you want me to walk. Wherever you invite me, that's where I'll be. See, God's at work in all kinds of ways and in different places throughout this entire world. If you're walking with God and born out of your intimacy of fellowship with Him, He decides to tell you, let's say, go to Africa and be a missionary to Africa. He doesn't just start working in Africa when you go there. I've got some news for you. <laughs> it didn't just start over there because you're going. God's been working in Africa for a long time. See? But because you were pursuing Him and you really laid it out on the line with God and said, I'm giving myself to you, Heavenly Father. I am... Uh, consecrating myself to you, my existence to you, the entirety of my being to you, to be a vessel of honor, to be used by you in whatever way, in whatever capacity. But my highest aim, my highest goal, my highest desire is to know you intimately. Born out of that, he says, okay. I want to invite you to join me in Africa where I've got a mighty work going on and I'm going to privilege you by allowing you to participate in it. Can you see that? Then again, he might say to you, if you're here in this church, speaking to your heart because you want to know him. See, that's what eternal life is all about. That's what life is all about. Knowing God intimately. Knowing Jesus personally. See? And then they invite you to enter into a work that they have already been doing in the earth. And you say yes. So down on the inside of you, which is born out of this intimacy, he may be instructing you to do whatever, to attend a school, to take a, a part, let's say, in a local body of believers. And may I say this to anyone here who really desires to know what his will is for your life? 
Generally speaking, it is His will that you be involved actively in your local church. Do you know that Rhema Bible Training Center has turned some people down because when pastors fill out recommendations, they have to check a, a, a part of that form that says, what involvement has this person in your assembly? And if it says none, they consider that highly. They highly take, they take that into high consideration as to whether or not they should accept you as a student. Do you know why? Because generally speaking, everyone should know that God wants you involved. And if you have any kind of a call of God upon your life, then you need to be involved. In, in whatever way. And you'll make yourself involved because you'll make yourself available to God. But this is where it comes from. This is how it's born. It's born out of your relationship with Him, out of your intimacy of fellowship with Him. And as a result of that, you'll know the way. It's not born out of a program. It's not born out of a method. And it's not born out of a series of steps that you take. Someone says, well, just give me step one, two, three, four, five, so I know exactly how to discover the will of God for my life. It's not born out of steps. It's not born out of methods. It's not born out of programs. It's born out of intimacy of fellowship. It's born out of a heart desire to know God personally, to experience God your Father in your life, in an active way daily. So you see, the pursuit then is that. And as a result, He begins to unfold certain things in your heart and in your life that will represent His will. I want you to turn with me to John's Gospel, chapter 14. You're close by there. In some situations and circumstances, people become confused as to what they are to do, where they are to go, who they are to marry, things like that that really represent difficult decisions that people have to make in life. And they're looking to solve the problem by targeting the problem itself rather than approaching the problem solver. If we want to know something from God, we must pursue God. We must pursue the problem solver. If I need to know where He wants me to go, then I've got to go to Him. I don't use trial and error to determine whether or not He wants me to do this or do that. I go to Him and I say, Father, I'm consecrated to Your will. It's my desire to know you in an intimate way it's my desire to follow follow like jesus told peter follow what i've asked you to do and so born out of that god will unveil to the person or to the individual exactly what it is that they need to know to deal with the circumstance sometimes because people are frustrated their intimacy of fellowship with god suffers in other words let's here's an example let's say someone lost their job as a result of a job loss, rather than running to God, rather than taking more time to be with God, to spend more quality time fellowshipping with Him and just hanging around the throne and enjoying His presence, they're frustrated by the fact that they lost their job and what they're busy doing is trying to deal with the problem by spending the majority of their time seeking new employment. And what ends up happening is you can go through all kinds of, of situations and problems that might not represent the will of God in that area of your life. Instead of being frustrated and running away from God because of what happened, see, some people even get angry with God because they lost their job or this circumstance happened. They've got to stop that and get back into following steps that will lead them into a deeper intimate relationship with the Father. Just getting on their knees in His presence and, and experiencing His presence and talking to Him about the, the situation. Now, Father, you know what's happened in my life. I know that you had nothing to do with this. I know that you want me to work. I know that you want me to take care of my family. I know that you want to bless me. 
financially so that I can provide what needs to be provided for my family. And so, Father, rather than being frustrated, rather than being overcome by fear, rather than trying to put myself out there in, in, in all kinds of situations that may not represent Your will for my life, I'm going to first come to You and say, Father God, I'm depending on You to hook me up with the right people. I'm depending on You to make the right people aware of my resume so that by Your divine hand, so that by Your divine provision, so that by Your divine guidance, I'm going to get hooked up with the right position that I need to be in. See, rather than being discouraged, rather than being frustrated, rather than trying to solve the problem on your own, go back to the Father and spend that quality time and say, Father, this is a time that you said you'd never leave me even though I feel like you're a million miles away. You said you'd never forsake me even though I feel forsaken. You'd never let me down. You'd never disappoint me. And so I'm coming to you, Heavenly Father, and I'm just going to approach your presence. This is the situation. You are the problem solver. I'm going to place it into your hands and I'm looking to you for direction. I am looking to you for guidance. And I know, I know that I know because of my trust in you that you are going to open up the door. You are going to make your will known to me in this area of my life. It could be in pursuit of healing. It could be in pursuit of, of just peace and joy in your life. Whatever it is that you need from God. Don't try to solve the problem on your own, by your own means or by your own efforts. You recognize that there is a need for you, and that includes me, all of us, to get into the presence of God and spend quality time in that place of His presence so that while in that place, He will begin to flood your soul and fill you to overflowing with the revelation that you need that represents His will for your life. In John's Gospel, chapter 14 and verse 6, here we have a glorious revelation. There is a prerequisite to knowing God the Father and to discovering His will and experiencing the fullness of life that God wants us to enjoy. And what is that prerequisite? Anybody know the prerequisite for knowing the Father, for experiencing the will of God or finding the will of God? and experiencing life to the full, what is that prerequisite? His name's Jesus. Everybody say Jesus. You see, in John 14 and verse 6, Jesus said, I am the way. Jesus is your lifeline to the Father. Did you know that? Say that with me. Jesus is my lifeline to the Father and to His will for my life. Jesus is that lifeline. He is the way. He is the truth. He is the ultimate reality that you're looking for with regard to your life. Jesus already said, I am the way to the Father, and no one can get to the Father but by me. So anybody here know Jesus? I said, do you know Jesus? You have a hotline to the Father. You have a hotline to the Father. Take advantage of it. Take advantage of it. Get on the hotline and call them up. Praise God. Father, I'm coming to you by the way of Jesus. See, when you come to the Father by Jesus, you know you're going to arrive. You know He's going to pick up the phone. You know you're going to make connection with Him. I'm coming to you by the way of Jesus, Father God. I know He's that prerequisite for me to get a hold of you, and so I've come by the way of Jesus. I've come to know you, Father God. I've come to understand you. I've come to discover your goodness and your mercy and your grace. I've come to know you in a better way, to become more intimately acquainted with you. And that's why I'm here, Father God. And I know that born out of that is going to come to me a revelation of your will for my life. He is the way. He is the ultimate reality. And He is the life. Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Satan's come to rob you. Satan's come to steal from you. Let's get things in their proper perspective. Satan has come to confuse you. Satan has come to rob from you. Satan has come to frustrate you. Satan has come to discourage you. Satan has come to blind your mind from the will of God. 
But praise God, Jesus says, I have come to make it very clear to you that through me, you can have life to the full. You can have it more abundantly. You can overflow, praise God, with the abundance of the goodness of God in your life. You can have abundance of God. You can have abundance of knowledge of the will of God. You can have an abundance of healing. You can have abundance of of provision. You can have an abundant life through Jesus. And you have Him, don't you? We have Him, don't we? Praise God, because we have Him, we have a hotline to the Father. So I know that I can know the Father now because I have Jesus. Because I have Jesus, I can know the Father. He's the way, He's the truth, He's the life, and no man comes to the Father but by Jesus. Aren't you glad tonight that you've got Jesus? So you can make it to the Father, and through Him, you can discover His will. Look at this verse. This will absolutely bless you in John 15. And verse 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me, you can do. See, what am I to do? What am I to do? What am I to do? Well, apart from me, he said, you can do nothing. Think about it. I am the vine, you are the branches. The branches are in the vine, and the vine is in the Father. Can you see that? So you see, here is the pattern to follow. Jesus is my lifeline to the Father. He's my hotline to the Father. And Jesus said, if I just stay in Him, if I just abide in Him, then He says, I can do anything. Apart from Him, I can do nothing. But by Him, I can do anything. I can do anything. By Him, I can know the Father's will. By Him, I can know the Father intimately. By Him, I can know the purpose of God, the Father for my life. By Him, I can have an... an intimate relationship with the Father. I can know Him progressively more and more every single day. By Him, I can have a revelation of what God wants me to do with my life. Because of Jesus, I know that I can do successfully whatever it is that God wants me to do. So apart from Him, I can do nothing. But through Him, praise God, I can do anything. I can fulfill whatever God wants me to do. I can find the will of God. I can find the purpose of God. And I can flow with it. Amen. Amen. So you see, we've got to know the Father. We have got to purpose in our hearts to develop an intimate relationship with Him. We have got to be sincere in our heart when we say to Him, Father, I don't want to live for myself. I'm not on this earth to live for myself. There's a million, zillion things that I can do that I can think of in my own mind for myself. But, Father God, none of those things would profit me eternally. None of those things would add to my my personal life eternally. So what I'm willing to do is cast all that aside, set aside my small ambitions and give place to you. Now listen carefully, those of you that seek to know the will of God. Without that dedication and consecration, You will be confused. You will be frustrated. Why? Because you're warring with that great warfare that takes place between what I want and what God wants. I mean that. See, you'll want something. You'll be like Peter. Well, what's John going to do? Why? Why, Peter? You want to do what John's going to do? Well, maybe. Uh, Peter, you can't covet what I want John to do. I know you and I know John. I'm telling John to do what I have equipped him to do and what I know he's capable of doing and I'm telling you to do something that I know you're equipped to do and capable of doing. But if you try to do what John needs to do, you'll fall flat on your face, you'll miss your mark, and you'll be left out when it comes to the full blessings that I have for your life. But if you'll forget about John... And just look at yourself and listen to what I'm saying and follow me, then you know what? You'll be rewarded eternally. So what we have to do is say, look, Father, I don't want to do what I want to do. I don't want to fulfill my small ambitions. I want what you have purposed for me. I want what you have determined 
in your mind what I need to do in my life. That's what I'm looking for. And so I'm coming to you with a sincere heart. I'm going to take the time to, to lay it on a line with you, to bow before you, to submit to your will, to consecrate to what you would have me to do, to get my eyes off of other people, to get my eyes off of what they're doing, to get my eyes off of what you've called brother so-and-so to do and sister so-and-so to do or what this person's doing. You know, some people get discouraged just turning on a television set and saying, well, this person's doing this for the Lord. They watch Christian programming and they see this one's using their singing abilities for God and this one's doing that. And they get all discouraged as if God has no use for them in the body of Christ. My goodness, you are a special being. People that are out there in the world that are not sitting in church, I'm talking about Christians that are out there not sitting in church today thinking that they're not usable or God doesn't want to use them or there is no place for them. They are deceived by the enemy. They are self-deluded, duped, if you will. They have no idea how much God loves them. They have no idea how much God needs them. Jesus said, I have need of everybody. The head cannot say to the foot that I have no need of you. I need you. I need you to, to do something for me to advance my kingdom, to enhance my work on the earth. Every one of us needs to know that. Say with me, I'm special to God. He needs me. See, the head can't say to the foot. Jesus can't say to the person who we might think to be the lowest member in the body of Christ that I have no need of you. He needs that person. Man, He needs me to get up on a Sunday morning. He needs to me, me to be in the church service. He needs me to, to take my place and do my part. He needs you to do whatever He has called you to do or whatever He's inspiring you to do. He might need you to go to school and develop a degree in this particular area of, of, of learning. Why? Because He's going to use you some way, somehow. Whatever that way is, He'll reveal to you. You know, sometimes He just raises up people to, to support the work of God. He puts you in a position because you're capable of handling, let's say, money wisely and finances wisely. And so he develops your life in that area. He gets you to a place where he can prosper you in, in such a way that you can support the work of God in the earth. How many of you know that God needs people to support his work in the earth? How many of you know it takes finances to, to, to get the gospel out to people throughout the world? Aren't you glad we can support someone like Brother Ed Elliott in Africa? I mean, thank God that we're able to be a part of that work and take part in that ministry because we are giving to that work. And the same thing we'll be doing in Italy as we begin to support uh, the Caminettis over there in Italy and others, India. I mean, there's all kinds of different places where we have supported other ministries, but we're able to do that because God has blessed us with people that know how to use their finances to do the will of God. And thank God for that. And, you know, there are many areas that represent the will of God, but I want you to turn with me to First John chapter 4. But to get into those areas, you've got to start with knowing the Father. You've got to start with knowing what He's all about. You've got to start with the consecration of your will. A laying of your will down upon the altar of sacrifice and saying, Father God, not mine will, but thine be done. It does not start with seeking, the prob seeking to solve the problem of not knowing the will of God. And sometimes that's what people do. And they're looking to find formulas, as I said, methods, as I said, and programs, as I said, to discover the will of God. And that's not where you start. Where you start is on your knees. Where you start is on your face. Where you start is consecrating your will. That's what God's waiting for. A consecration of my will. Why? Because as long as your will stands in the way, you'll always gravitate towards what you want to do and you'll try to get God to mix in with it. Did you hear me? When you get your will in the way, when you want so strongly to do something, you'll think God's telling you to do it. But when you start the process and the procedure by saying, no, 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 a thousand times no, this may be what I want to do with my life, but I know I have been born into this realm of life so that God would have me prove to Him what I'm going to do with my free will agency and so i'm going to begin right here saying father i consecrate myself to your will your will be done not mine i laid upon the altar of sacrifice and i'm looking to do your will 
for my life. Now you've begun correctly. Someone might say, well, how do I know that's going to be the best thing for me? Dare you make a statement like that? 1 John chapter 4, verse 7. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God and has a slim idea as to what God's all about. Everybody say, know with God. God is all about love. God is agape. God is divine love. God is love that surpasses any kind of love we have ever experienced other than that which has been demonstrated to us through the person of Jesus Christ. Okay? So what am I saying? You need to know and I need to know that God loves me. He loves me so much that He has my best interest at heart. And if I pursue a relationship with Him, an intimacy, a fellowship with Him, in His great love that He has for me, He will unveil to me the best program for my life. He will outline and diagram for me exactly what is going to best benefit me and my entire family. Because He's love. He's all about love. He really loves me. He cares about me. He wants me to achieve the highest goal and obtain the highest prize. Did you know that? And He has actually outlined how I can do it for me. But His problem is, He's in the spirit world. I'm in the natural world. And you see, to get those two together takes consecration on our part. It means seek and ye shall find. Isn't that what someone said some day not too long ago? Jesus said, seek and ye shall find. So God the Father loves you. God the Father cares about you. God the Father has your best interest at heart. God the Father wants to make you the best that you can possibly be. He wants to shape you. He wants to mold you. He wants to form you into the best being that represents Him upon the face of this planet. Okay, God is love. God loves me. God cares about me. God is looking out for my best interest. As I learn this about Him, I get to know Him. As I get to know Him, I will then get to know His voice. I will get to know His will. And I will know that whatever he tells me to do, someone says, but if he told me to go to Africa, how could that best benefit me? Ask him. But I guarantee you it will. Because that's where you fit in. Because that's where you belong. If, if it's Africa, if it's at this school learning this for that purpose that will be revealed to you down the road somewhere, that's where you fit in. That's where you belong. That's where he's going to bless you the best way he possibly can because you are not pursuing your will, you are pursuing the will of the Father. There's another verse in Luke 9, 23. In Luke 9, 23, another important verse of Scripture with regard to discovering, first of all, to know God and then to know his will for your life, getting to know him and then getting to discover his will for your life. It involves knowing that he is love, knowing that he loves you, knowing that he has your best interest at heart, knowing that whatever He tells you to do is going to be the best thing you could possibly do with your life. Boy, isn't that exciting? I'll tell you what, sometimes I look to Him and say, Father, I, I really, I would have desired that you would just give me a different place. I don't want to be in the front of people. I don't want to set my life up so that I could be scrutinized and looked at and then and in the end uh, looking for that wonderful day that you're judged with a greater judgment because you're the teacher. Wow. <laughs> I mean, exciting, isn't it? Someone says, I want to be in the forefront. No, you don't. No, you don't. There's a warning to those that teach. Do you teach others and then you don't do it? Ouch. In Luke 9, 23, if you really want to, do you, do you really want to know? Are you really ready for this 
saints of God? Everybody here really, 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 really ready? You really want to know? Okay. 9.23. And he said to them all, all, it's all inclusive. If any man will follow, if any man will come after me, if any man will come after me, let him, number one, deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. He talks about denial, death, and devotion. And if you put those three together, it equals discipline. Denial, death, and devotion. If any man will come after me, let him deny himself. Self-denial of your own small ambitions and aspirations, forsaking self-will for what purpose? Deny yourself to take up your cross daily. That is dying to self daily. It's not just denying yourself one time and then living for the rest of your life for yourself. It's denying yourself not to do your will and then taking up your cross, dying daily to whatever it is you would pursue or you would do on your own as an act of your will apart from God. So you are pursuing what God wants, not what you want. So it's denial, it's daily dying or death. That's what the cross represents. And then thirdly, follow. Everybody say follow. See, follow me. Come after me. That's devotion. Daily, that's why we call it daily devotion. It's daily devotion. I am daily submitting myself to the will of God. I am daily submitting myself to the purpose of God. Now listen carefully, saints, because here's where we miss it. We sometimes think of daily devotion as being an obligation. But if you really consider it as we should, our daily devotion is something that enables us to set aside self-will so that we can enter into daily fellowship with the Father and discover His will. It's daily saying, Father, I don't want my will done today in my life. I want your will to be done today in my life. And when you get up tomorrow, you say, Father, I daily devote myself to following you. I deny myself of what I want to do. I deny myself of my pursuits, of my attitudes and all these other things so that I can discover yours and flow with that or follow that. I want to devote to you. And beloved, in order to achieve that requires that wonderful word called, everybody say it with me, discipline. 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 You see, beloved, when it comes to discipline, I think a better way to understand what discipline is is to know that it means to train. It's a training of ourselves. You know your natural man is not trained to know God? And it's not trained to follow the will of God. That's why there must be a denying of the self, a taking up of the cross, or a death to the, to the nature of that's in us, in the flesh, and a devotion, devoting of ourselves to follow what God wants us to do daily, as Jesus said right there in that verse, daily. That requires discipline in every one of our lives. We must be trained. See? We must be trained. Or we must develop, be developed. I wrote down a definition, I think, that will help us. To train or develop by instruction and exercise. To train or develop by instruction or exercise. You know, daily, if you think about that, your old man, this, this flesh of yours and mine, wants to rise up and do what it wants to do. Have you noticed that yet in your Christian experience? Have you noticed that your flesh does not want to walk in love? Aggravate it and let me know what it says. It has to be trained to. See, a training of the flesh 
a training of ourselves, a developing of ourselves by exercise. We have got to exercise ourselves so that we can be disciplined disciples of our Lord. That's what a disciple is, a disciplined one. See, sometimes I think we should say instead of a Christian, I am a disciple. A disciple means I am a disciplined one. Oh, I don't like that word. Exercise. You know, many don't like that word either. So, come on, say amen, somebody. Someone says, my, my, the best exercise I get is at the table like this. No one really likes exercise as such. You may get into a habit of it. You may train yourself. And then as a result of training and everything, you get involved in doing it. But it's, it's a training or a developing that does what? It corrects us. It molds us. It perfects us in our mental faculties and in our moral character. That's what it does. See, in order for us to seek God's face daily, we have got to be trained. We've got to use self-denial. We've got to use our will to pursue the things of God. We've got to train ourselves, discipline ourselves to get up in the morning time or, or whenever you do it. You've heard me say many times, I turn off the car radio. I don't like to listen to the car radio. You come in a car ride with me, it's rare you'll ever hear anything on inside that car. And I'm, what I mean by rare is if, there's, if, if I need to hear the weather report, or something like that, or if you're driving to Pittsburgh and you want to hear about why the bumper to bumper traffic is there, I may turn that on for a moment. But for the most part, no matter how far I travel in that automobile, I like to keep that thing off. Why? Because I want to listen to God. Too often our, our relationship with God is mechanical and forced. Beloved, we need to have quiet time. And we need to train ourselves to turn that thing off. Now, I'm not getting on you if you listen to music in your car and that sort of thing at all. I'm saying if that's not your time, if that's the time you want to listen to music, there, there, has, there has to be some time throughout the course of the day. Then discipline yourself to get up early. Discipline yourself before you go to bed at night. Discipline yourself some way, somewhere, somehow to spend quality time with the Lord your God putting that first place in your life so that you can get to know Him better and you can get to learn His voice. So deny yourself so that you can be trained and developed so that you can exercise yourself in self-control and be obedient to the Lord God, to the Lord Jesus Christ, and to the ministry of the Spirit as He instructs you in what you should do with your life. We all have to do that. When I heard the voice of God come unto me saying to do certain things, it was always born out of intimacy of fellowship with Him. And that's something that we have to understand. Now, I'm going to probably pick this up on Monday, so just give me just about 30 more seconds. A person who is running a race as an athlete has to train himself and develop himself because he knows that if he's running in a 26-mile race, he's going to be running through different kinds of weather conditions, different kinds of terrain. There's the uphill climb, then there's the downhill. Some people think downhill's easy. Downhill, when you're running, is not easy at all. As a matter of fact, you're using different muscles when you're going uphill, and then the moment you begin to go back downhill, you change and start using other muscles, and it's not easy. At all. As a matter of fact, if you're not careful, you will pull some muscles on your way downhill. Because that's not something that you're really used to. So you, it might be hot outside, it might be cool outside, it might be raining outside, but that runner has trained himself to be fit regardless of what weather conditions he encounters. Well, beloved, we're the same way. We're traveling through life. There's all kinds of conditions, there's all kinds of circumstances, uphill climbs and downhill. You know, all kinds of things that are going on in our life. We've got to train ourselves. We've got to discipline ourselves. We have got to get to a place where no matter what we encounter, no matter what we face in life, we are prepared and we are fit so that we can get to the place that we know God, we hear His voice, and we follow what He wants us to do. No matter who we are. And it takes what? Self-discipline. It takes discipline that we put on ourselves a training, 
of ourselves. And if you're taking notes, you might want to quickly write to these. I don't take more than 30 seconds, but give me 30 more. We've got to be disciplined in our mind, disciplined in our thought life. Come on, somebody say amen. Your mind will not give you the opportunity to know God intimately if you don't discipline it. Your thought life will not lend itself toward knowing God intimately if you don't discipline it. Your mind will want everything and all things apart from God unless you train it to mind the things of God. And as you think in your heart, so are you. All right, quickly. I'll, I'll pick this up on Sunday. Discipline in your mind. Discipline in your attitude. Discipline in your time. Discipline in your worship of God. Discipline in your study of God's Word. Discipline in your prayer life. Discipline in your family life. Discipline in your finances, whether it be giving, receiving, or spending. Uh-oh, spending. Disciplined in your friendships, who you're associating with, those that build you up or tear you down. Disciplined, here it goes, in your tongue. You know, some people are so out of control with their tongue, they'll never know God intimately. Why? Because they can't get quiet enough to listen to them. Discipline in your conscience. The Bible says our conscience needs to be exercised to know the things of God. Discipline in purity. Discipline in our social life. Discipline in our body so that all things are done in moderation. And discipline when it comes to our eyes. What do you mean by that? Job made a covenant with his eyes so that he would not look on those things that would cause him to lust. And so the disciple is one who understands his primary pursuit in life is to know God because born out of that intimacy comes the will of God and the way to do that is to discipline self, oneself, to train oneself, to exercise oneself. Why? So that the mind, the body, the will, and the emotions all are given over unto God. So that born out of that intimacy, as I said, you will know the will of God for your life. If you're pursuing this, I'm saying, then the other one will come forth. Can somebody say amen? amen? Let's all stand together before the Lord. Thank you for listening to our legacy teachings. We pray today's message has a profound impact upon your life and your ministry. I want you to know that God loves you, has a great plan for your life. But if you've never made Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life, I'd like to invite you to do that right now. Just pray this simple prayer right after me. Just say, Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart now. I receive you and accept you as my personal Savior and Lord. If you prayed that prayer with me, you're a child of God right now, and I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.